Welcome to the Movie Film Studios, the only podcast that takes you inside the mind of two film studio executives as we unravel and then re-ravel the best that Hollywood has to offer. I'm Isaac. And I'm AJ. And today in the Movie Film Studios Memorial Theatre, we sat down and watched the 2017 action-adventure film Valerian and the City of Thousand Planet City Planets. <laughs> so, action-adventure, you missed sci-fi, and because sci-fi sure. plays a massive, massive part in that. But before we uh, get into that, let's... Yes, uh, what, what are we calling this segment? The Box Office Report, the I believe. Box it, Office Report. And now has an official title. Uh, and maybe indeed. even Musical Stings. We'll see, uh, Let's see, see how we go. Last week, we put out a, uh, a film. Yes, uh, we, we did. We definitely did. We definitely did. Um, I think we called it Tequila Gold. Tequila Gold. And uh, we were chasing that gold. Chasing that Oscar gold. How did that go, AJ? Well, look... We sort of maintained that we were going to release that film just before the 2018 Oscar. Oh yeah, ceremony. like on the on the 19th of February, the yeah. day before the ceremony. Yeah. But the uh, the internet and our fans and everyone rallied. They wanted to see Tequila Gold early, so we thought we thought we'd fast track it. Um, and in the process of fast tracking it, we actually fast tracked our digital distribution platform as well. Oh, nice! I was yeah. going to ask you about that this yeah, week. Yeah. yeah. So it's currently only got Tequila Gold on it. Right. Uh, okay. There is nothing else on this service. It does cost about fifteen bucks a month, and you can only stream Tequila Gold on it. But everyone starts small, right? Exactly. Like Netflix yeah. didn't launch with in a massive back catalogue of, of content. Um, now, Isaac, what did we call that little platform again? The our, our digital streaming our digital platform. streaming platform. It's yeah. um. MFS W D D S P. Okay. It's um yeah. So it's uh, movie film studios yep. uh, workshop digital yep. digital distribution platform. Great. Um, we only refer to the acronym as MFS W D D D P. Um. Uh, which, uh, I mean, most people are just calling it Mofusrubapadud, yeah. um, which is fine. Uh, it's um, it's getting a lot of um, SEO, like everyone oh, who types great. it in goes that's straight great. there. Straight to it? Because yeah. there's, there's nothing else out there yeah, that yeah, yeah. adds even remotely close yeah. to what that stands for. Um, so We haven't yet got Google to recommend it if they sort of spell a letter wrong, if they use the wrong character. So, But we'll yeah. get there. They have to type it out exactly like that. Because initially... I, I went with Netflix, mm-hmm. but like without the oh, X, yeah, yeah. so it was as net F L I C K S. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Netflix actually already owns Netflix <sighs> and um, net Netflix, and like they've they've been super litigious in like <laughs> buying all of those domain names that anything yep. remotely sounding like yeah, it, yeah, yeah. um, is, is already gone. Yeah. Um, we've taken the same uh, approach, mm. and we've got um, M F S W. D D D P S M F S W D D D P T and like so any any letter that's anywhere close to yeah. any of those letters I've yep. bought all of the domain names Great. um and re- re- redirected them back okay. to um and um so anyone who's even remotely close to coming to our website will actually get there for that digital distribution if you sign up for it now that's where all of our films will be exclusively released yeah um at least after they've come out in the cinema or whenever we decide to put them on there. There's actually, I mean, I know you said uh, we're delaying Tequila Gold mm. um, and there's a lot of a lot of buzz around that. 
I actually got a letter in the mail today. Did you? And the Salary movie mm-hmm. has been nominated huh? for Best Animated Film. Hi! Because uh, it's an animated film that came out this year, and yep. therefore it gets nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> that's that's the rules. So, so we're officially yeah, an if, Academy uh, Award-nominated studio. Exactly, Holy yeah. Holy crap. I know. We're, we're moving up. Moving on up. Moving on up. Well, let's see if we can, um, you know, get another one in the bag. But before we do that, I think it's time for This Week in this Trailers. This Week in Trailers. And maybe another sting. Who knows? Oh yeah, who knows? I mean, we'll we'll see. You've you've bought a nice new soundboard, I so have. I if have. it's got some instrument inputs, we can. Yep. Uh, we'll we'll jam. We'll jam after this yeah. recording's over. And Actually, uh, one of my housemates uh, plays bass, mm. and I have a, a feeling that maybe one week we can get him in okay. just live, sitting oh, here, yeah, yeah, yeah. playing us some little little bass riffs, little stings, stings between stuff. Uh, yeah, that'd segments. Be great. I mean, I it's always be... nicer to do this live than it is to do it in post, where we haven't left enough gaps to slip in a <laughs> audio sting. But that's fine. <laughs> so through that, this week in trailers. What did we watch this week, Isaac? The first trailer we watched this week was a Colin Firth and Rachel Weiss mm. film. Yep. I can't remember what it's called. It's called The Mercy. The Mercy. The Mercy. Um, the basic plot of the film is that there's an ad for a around-the-world yacht race. Mm-hmm. Um, a small-town Englishman, played by Colin Firth, decides that he's going to build a boat and participate in this yacht race, even though he has no sailing experience, he's got no experience building boats, but he's the everyman who has a vision and has a dream and wants to pursue it. Mm-hmm. And then his wife, is uh, Rachel Weiss, is, is left at home yep. and worried about her husband. I think the trailer then sort of goes into the fact that he's so far behind and he's all alone out in the ocean. He starts um, lying about where he is in yeah, relation he, to the race to drum up support, or I'm he, not he really gets, sure. He goes. It seems like he goes through some travails in terms of, uh, weather and storms and all sorts of stuff and then he decides I'm just gonna lie I'm just gonna lie I'm not sure like it, it seems as though again based on true events Some kind of true uh, story, yeah. like again all of these things that say that are loosely based on something mm. um, there was a man who sailed the boat yeah we can say it's based on real events <laughs> because a man sailed the boat once um, <laughs> you sure yeah I think I think he <laughs> becomes somewhat famous or his story gets picked up because because he's lying about where he is in the mm. race, he seems to be setting records, and people are like, "Oh, this man sailing better yeah, than yeah, anyone's yeah. ever sailed before." Yeah. Um, from the director of the Theory of Everything, mm. the um Eddie Redmayne and uh, Rogue One. St- what was her name? <laughs> Felicity Jones. Felicity Jones. Yeah. yeah. Um, which not a bad film, but again, it, it feels that film felt a bit Oscar baitish as well, and it, I think it won Oscars as well. Yeah. This sort of feels the same. Very, yeah. oh, it's heart wrenching story of a man's struggle to survival and mm. pursue his dreams and yeah. hold his family together. Yeah. It's got elements of Castaway in there. You see yeah. Colin Firth with his daddy's shirt on with a stubbly beard. <laughs> yeah, um, that's it. It's just another. It's a film about a white guy that wants to do something. That's really it. I can't. <sighs> yeah. I mean, nice. to be fair, you can't really fault them for going. No, no. We, no. We'd like to make a film that wins an Oscar. <laughs> and I'm just like, I really, yes. really, oh, we cannot, mm, we cannot. No, um, we can't. Uh, yeah, shun anyone who yep. um, who has that same dream as us because we're white guys and we have a dream, <laughs> and our dream is to win an Oscar. <laughs> and we've uh, been nominated, and so we have been we've nominated. Got a taste now, of that gold. So. I also, mean, I mean, we don't have a chance. Like, if Pixar puts any film oh, out this year, they released year, Coco. Coco's out. Is it out? It's now? out now. Okay, well, yeah, we're, we're done for. Yeah. I mean, again, we're, we released an animated film, and that means yeah. that we get nominated for an Oscar. That's right, yeah, but we in, like Pixar. Like, yeah. I'm sure it's already like you know. That's in, in the, the bag. Yeah. It's in the bag. There's no, not even any point. What are we going to do with all these pallets of tequila now as well for all the? 
like can i just say something you told me last week that yeah. tequila is clear it, and it and it is it is but there are so but many are the, the high, higher brands of tequila are yellow and <laughs> i'm like i don't know uh, a lot of the stuff i google after the episode <laughs> i think we we said ian mckellen was an oscar winner he's, he's only not. a nominee yeah so, so uh, <laughs> i think we're gonna have to do some um adr for, yep. and, and uh christian bale Christian Bale can voice Oscar yep. the Grouch. Yep. Uh, so even though Ian McKellen is the puppeteer, yep. uh, Christian, it'll be Christian Bale's voice. Okay, yep, yep, yep. fair enough. Uh, and anyway. Gary Oldman did win. He for, did, yeah. But for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and yeah. I really, like, that's a 2012 film, and we did reference it a lot. Yep. I really would, would have thought he would have won, like, back in the early Probably, 90s or yeah. something like that. But it, it would have helped if I'd actually seen that film as well. But yeah. Anyway. Who knows? Uh, so, The Mercy. Go see it or don't. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Trailer number two. Number a two. white guy wants to do something <laughs> in the greatest <laughs> showman. showman so this is a um a hugh jackman vehicle where yes, he plays pt barnum mm-hmm. the um i think 1930s sort of dust bowl america yep. he comes up with the idea of the mm. big top circus yeah. i think he's he's tended known for being the founder of that sort yeah. of um greatest show on earth and um uh decides that his family's poor and has this idea of bringing all these outcasts and misfits together yeah. to create the, the greatest show gathering uh, a menagerie of animals and and performers and for lack of a better term the and i'm doing this in inverted commas freaks yes i mean but they were initially known as freak shows and yes. it may, yeah, may not be correct but you know going back to the bearded ladies and the mm. tattooed men the, and the, the, uh, uh, the, the strong man the yeah. the small people the yep. um and so on. Siam- and so I think this has the Siamese twins. I think there was a, like the, the reason it, that we call them Siamese twins uh, is because of the these two brothers who were conjoined twins who okay. came across from um, Thailand or wherever sure. Siam initially was mm-hmm. and uh, performed in this show together. Yeah. Uh, it feels like I think they're doing a musical thing where it's a lot more sort of song and dancey. I mean, again, yeah. Hugh Jackman's in it and he is the song and dance man. Yes. Um, but I, I do feel like they break up, break out into musical numbers quite a lot yeah it's, it's got a kind of very saturated moulin rouge-esque yeah, kind of style it d- it to the feels whole thing very moulin rouge um with some hints of potential uh, problems and complications there's a bit in the trailer that shows the local villagers uh or the villagers or the townspeople i mean I it, it looks like frankenstein it does, the yeah. villagers from frankenstein with their pitchforks, pitchforks and, and torches yeah just like we don't want no circus here buddy <laughs> this town ain't big enough for uh yeah uh so <laughs> Um, it, the, the, I think the motive or the, um, the emotion that it's trying to go for is Mm. that, uh, P.T. Barnum is this man who, um, no matter what your appearance or your lot in life, you will find a home here at the circus and we accept everyone. And the reason the villagers are out with their pitchforks and torches is like, oh, you're putting these freaks on stage as if they're equals and we disagree with that. Yeah. And P.T. Barnum's like, no, they're they're people too, which is actually kind of like, it's a romanticized version. Again, I don't really know a whole lot about it, but I feel as though there's stories of him exploiting people, not paying them. I think he kidnaps a kid at some stage and tries to pass this kid off as like a, a a dwarf or a small person yeah, yeah, and yeah. um uh it's just yeah he it's, was not a nice man and and was very very that sort of business focused anything for a dollar yeah. and then they you have these sort of like stories of them and it's all very romanticized yeah it's i mean the the legitimate history of pt barnum is certainly not as clear-cut as the film seems no. to make it uh, seem having um, said that movie film studios has not done a song and dance musical no, we haven't um Ooh. that who knows Ooh, who knows yeah. we, we could at some stage i'm not sure if uh i mean like la la land came out and everyone loved that the yeah, artist exactly. a few years back they won oscars as I, well uh, moulin rouge i think moulin is oscar, rouge, oscar yeah, winning absolutely. um uh 
Yeah, so I mean, there's there's some material there. I'm not. Man, we, uh, we we are just like old timey prospectors with gold in our eyes now. Like we cannot see anything but Oscar gold. Oscar gold. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, you know, we'll get run over by a bus or something one day because all that's in our head is Oscar's gold. Um, I mean, I I, walk, I I walk around every day, and pretty much everyone that I pass is just a a blank faced gold <laughs> statue. I don't oh, see people anymore. Yeah, and they kind of they don't move properly. Either. No. They kind of just wobble forward. Yep. Um. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I don't I don't normally watch those sort of musical dancey films. That's no, not really no, no, my no. cup of tea. But I think what, what type um, of films do you watch, Isaac? I watch sci-fi action really? adventure films. Ah, interesting. Well, it just so happens that today you and I watched a sci-fi action adventure film, uh, a film that we were actually, I mean, personally was was looking forward to, um, purely because of the talent on board. So this was directed by, and I can't say his name properly, but Luke. Besson? Sure, that'll do. Great. Uh, director of a lot of very not good films, but yeah, also... Yeah, so, like, he's, he's got a reputation as being a good director, but he's yeah. done Leon the Professional, mm-hmm. and he's done The Fifth, the Fifth Element, Element yep. and they're the sort of the Western ones. He's done uh, La Femme Nikita. I yep. think there's a few sort of early 90s mm-hmm. films, which are, I haven't seen, but are reasonably mm. well renowned. After The Fifth Element, which I think is 97, mm. um... He's got Taxi, which I think is a, a French uh, film, which I think yeah. Jimmy Fallon and Queen Latifah may have done the American oh, remake of. Wow. He's got The Transporter. Yeah. Um, he's got... Uh, Taken, he wrote. Taken, he wrote, yeah. I think, yeah, as well. Lucy? And Lucy was just such an awful film mm. that, like, so really anything after 97 yeah. is not really <laughs> worth writing home about, but he's yeah. still a, a big enough name that he draws uh, he, he attention. Probably, uh, look, I don't know film history very well, but I would say that he's probably one of the first French film directors that really really made an impact in the Western market, um, in particular with stuff like The Fifth Element, which is a an American co-production, but doesn't feel like an American film. It feels like no. a, a very European-style film. And I think that he was sort of the one of the early directors to bridge that gap between yeah. European cinema. I think it was Jean-Luc Godard as well. Again, maybe I'm making that name up. Sure. I, did, I did study film uh, at yeah, university yeah. legitimately, and yep. I feel as though... It's not uh, helping. I, I feel as though I should know more about this, but yeah, uh, it doesn't. You don't need to know a lot about film to make films, no, as, as movie film no. studios often uh, exactly. often shows. Yep. Uh, but let's talk about this film, Valerian and the Planet of a Thousand Cities. City That's of a Thousand Planets. Le- yeah. Oh, damn it. Other way around. I know it, it doesn't make any sense. And the really weird thing here is that the comic book uh, series, which it's based on, mm. is called, as you pointed out, Valerian and Loreline. And Loreline. Other. It's it's so the the film is uh, comprised of these two characters, uh, Valerian and Loreline, and they really co-characters exactly right? they're, they're two main characters. It's not like Valerian is like the head of the operation, uh, and Loreline plays second fiddle to him. No, they're meant to be on the same level exactly and, and they get equal billing in the title of the comic yeah. strip but for some reason she drops off in yeah. the title of this which is yeah. really strange I should point out last week we forgot to do our two minute recap yes and listening back I was wondering why our, our conversation <laughs> about the film was all, all over the place I'm like we're missing that structure so yeah. this week I'm going to be super strict let's do it um, the two minute recap Insert audio stim here. <laughs> um, I think we decided a couple of episodes back that I would do them because you yes, don't like doing them. Rubbish at them, and um, particularly for this film as well. All right, but we won't get that to get to that point yet. It feels weird that I've I've segued or or, or jammed in the fact we're doing a two minute uh, recap and then oh that's my thing I get to talk for the next two minutes. Oh how strange I is like oh, why did yeah, you bring that fine. up? You're clearly an executive. You just want to hear yourself talk. That's fine. All right, Isaac, two minutes on the imaginary clock I have next to me, and your time starts 
now. So we open the film with a, a series of uh, sort of montage cuts starting in 75 when mm-hmm. I think they uh, launched like Sputnik Space Station or Mir Space Station or Something. whatever. Yep. And then uh, every sort of 25 years or so, um, a new nation comes along and adds their compartment to that space station and mm. so all of the nations of the world eventually sort of join up you know you've got china coming in with their thing and then there's like a diplomatic yeah. meeting where they shake hands and then you've got um african nations and european mm. nations and they all sort of join up and then suddenly aliens start arriving and they broke a piece as well and they add their little modules to this rapidly growing space station yep. um and uh, until eventually this this thing is so big that they can't have it as a satellite around earth anymore mm-hmm. because it has reached, reached critical mass and yep. then rutger howe i think is the president sure. and he's building in the title he literally has like a 30 second speech right yeah, at the start of the and film and then it. disappears he says that we're going to have to push this thing off into space and it's going to explore its own territory mm-hmm. um so that's the start of the film we cut to 400 years later where this um, massive space station has now thousands of different alien cultures mm-hmm. um all sort of living together in this big sort of monstrous bubbly globular thing of, of yeah. a space station we then cut to this um, beach planet where it's these avatar-looking sea creature. Um, there's got, like, pearlescent skin. They love pearls. They eat pearls. They mm. feed pearls to the little pet rats. Yes. And they live in a very idyllic Yeah, they, li- they live in conch shells. Yeah. It's all very, um, yeah, paradise mm. uh, as far as you can tell. And they, they have this very sort of, like, primitive culture where they collect pearls and then they feed the pearls to the earth and the earth loves them in return well more than that they feed them to these little animals yes there's um, these little animals i think later on they call them like replicators, replicators anyway the, if they, they feed a pearl to a, a little rat looking dinosaur dragon <laughs> um, lizard, lizard thing who thing, knows yep. um and it starts pooping out like hundreds of them it yep. replicates whatever item you feed it yep. um then there's a, a spaceship that crashes and there's lots of explosions in the sky mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of them die and then the planet explodes. Okay. And then we then we cut to Valerian, who is played by um, Dan Dehan. Dan Dehan, who is the the kid who's from Chronicle and also from the um, second Amazing Spider-Man as well. He, playing... He's not James Franco in, no. in the reboot of Spider-Man. Just like Andrew yep. Garfield is not Tobey Maguire. <laughs> um, uh, cast in this role and and uh, what's her name? Clara Delevingne. Uh, Delevingne. Sure. De- uh, Delevingne, Delevingne, yeah, whatever. Something. Sure. Divine. Whatever. Yeah. She, lo- she looks divine. We'll call her divine. Sure. Because there's enough of those letters in her name. Um, they're, <laughs> they're on a, like, in a hollow deck and they're sitting on the beach and they have a bit of a, like, a, a tussly, f- flirty fight while mm-hmm. they're wearing their, like, their bathers. And they seem to have a pre-established relationship, which isn't made terribly clear. Mm-hmm. And the dialogue's super clunky and awful. Mm, yeah, and yep. then it turns out they're on a spaceship and they get, go, go off into a mission. Yep. They go to, like, a, a Turkish bazaar style marketplace on a desert planet that looks so much like Tatooine that it might as well be Tatooine. Um, And then they steal something from a parallel dimension marketplace Mm -hmm. using some weird technology. And this is, again, we haven't talked about it for a while. We we had a, a bit of a whinge in the first few episodes where... Um, filmmakers just give the characters magical powers for yep. no apparent reason. They do this a lot in this film, yep. where when a piece of technology needs to exist so a character can do it, it yep. just does exist and yep. it's there. They had this thing where the marketplace is in an, an like an alternate dimension or a parallel dimension, and suddenly they have objects which can go in there and grab the things that they want mm-hmm. and which work and don't work. And uh, who knows? It's um, ridiculous. They ended up s- stealing a pearl and one of the little dinosaur rat dragon mm. replicator monsters. Um, which are apparently the only two left in existence. Yes. Uh, we go back to then the city of a thousand planets, cities, globule, 
places. And it turns out that there's a tumor in the center of this um, mass of congealed mm-hmm. uh, things. And uh, it's spreading out and they have to go in and terminate it. Yep. I don't really want to get into the rest of the film because it's super boring. But like they go on an adventures in and out of like different areas in the city planet. It turns out that the tumor in the middle is actually the last vestiges of the the planet that blew up in the uh, uh, the opening sequence. Yep. A few people survived, and to rebuild their planet, they need a pearl and a tiny little rat dragon monster mm. replicator um, to rebuild their planet. And so um, then there's a conspiracy where Clive Owen was the one who was responsible for destroying their planet, and he yep. didn't care. Yep. And then he discovered that they these guys had secretly tried to revive their mm. civilization inside yep. the center, and so had sent armies in after them to try and destroy yep. them. And then we're like, oh, yeah, Clive Owen, military man equals bad, mm. and Native American allegory people <laughs> equals good. Yep. Um, uh, we side with the, the them and sure. allow them to win, and yep. Clive Owen gets his comeuppance. Sure. Yeah. Um, that's I mean pretty, much, pretty much the story. It's, uh, it's, it's again it feels it's, like a massive pastiche of every sci-fi thing you've ever seen yeah. before. And the thing is, it has the same problem that Atomic Blonde has in that it's not a very complicated story, but it's told in the most stupid way possible to make it confusing. So just stuff happens. Stuff happens at every turn. New things come up at every turn. New animals come up. New technology comes up. Anytime the characters are in some kind of situation, it's like, oh, there's a thing over here. Let's go do that now because that'll get us to this thing over here. And then another thing over here happens. And then this thing happens over here. Oh, then this thing has happened. So, so there's a, a, a point where Valerian is, he goes inside the center of this zone, which is the tumor zone, which is mm. the red, I think they call it the red zone, maybe? The, 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 the dark zone or the uh, dead zone. Yeah, something like that, where yeah. they, they can't detect anyone in there. And so Lorelai, to be able to find him, mm. has to go into like the bowels in this ocean and retrieve a jellyfish, yeah. which is like a psychic jellyfish, which yeah. he can jam onto her head and yeah. see a psychic vision of where he is. So he can find her yeah i mean she can find him and it's just like what the what what the oh, what let's, let, and then let's, let's not even ignore how she got to that point as well so while she's outside a big council meeting these three aliens come up to her and they are as i described a mix between an elephant and a platypus um so and, so they're, they're i should say they're waist high yeah they have demon wings and demon oh, tails too, yeah. the face of a platypus mm. and are covered in a brown fur mm. and there's three of them and they seem to only be able to complete sentences together they're so, kind of like a hive mind yeah thing. and they tell her that they tell her all this information that they know for some reason and they're the ones that then lead her to go to this underwater cavern meet some new character who's the operator of this submarine vessel thing to go to these giant sea monsters that have jellyfish growing in them to take the jellyfish and then to use the jellyfish to get more psychic information about where yeah. uh, Valerian is. Yeah, and so uh, she finds Valerian and then she gets captured yeah. and he has to go off and find a weird alien creature who yeah. turns out to be Rihanna yeah. who is just mis- like a jellyfish mystique from yeah. X-Men yeah. who can change her shape into mm-hmm. whatever she wants and then he uses her as a disguise to get into a restricted area to capture her, it, like to, to recover her. Yeah. It just becomes this series of like self-contained little adventures and again so I mentioned this was based on a, a comic book it's a French comic book from mm. uh, I think originally published in 1967 yeah it's been it's a long running and one. it ran I yeah. think up until 2010 and so this is where Luc Besson like as a child mm. read these comic books and fell in love with them and this movie is self-financed so he, he either put his own money in or got yeah. independent so it's actually an independent film and I yeah. think you mentioned when you were doing the reading that it's the biggest budget independent it's, film ever made it, it was a 180 million dollar budget so it is the biggest independent non-American film ever made. Yeah. 
eight production companies worked on this, including a bank, I might add, uh, which was just the most bizarre thing to see in the opening credits that, you know, it's it's like if you're Australian, it's like yeah. saying, uh, yeah, this film was made by Commonwealth Bank, like not finance, but made by them. It was really weird. Um, but I mean, all credit to Besson. I'm, I'm clearly this was a passion project. Yeah. For him. So I mean, there's there's 43 years worth of comics to draw mm. upon, and all of these characters, the psychic jellyfish character, the um, the goo um, mystique character, they're all characters from the book, and and the film somewhat feels like that's what he's done. Yeah. He's picked his favorite little moments from decades of comics mm. and try to jam them all together into yeah. the one story and it, it really doesn't work because it feels like like i said a pastiche like uh just things that are sort of cobbled together like a collage yeah. of um of things that don't quite sort of fit together mm. um and uh i can see from someone who is in love with the comic that it might feel like it's done service to it yeah um the only thing that i can really compare it to is uh tintin mm-hmm. which so spielberg uh, a couple of years ago did uh secret of the unicorn or mm. no he didn't do secret he, did of the, a, he combined a couple of stories together he did he? it was yeah. um the crab with the golden claws mm. and secret of the unicorn yeah and then it should have been um uh bread rackham's treasure um again <laughs> yeah. um but he just sort of completely jumped over that book and, and yeah. gave it the conclusion. Anyway, like, I loved Tintin growing up. Mm. Like, read the comics over and over and over and over again. Yep. And I hated that film so much <laughs> because it, there was so much Spielberg in there. Yeah. Um, and it felt, it like, detracted from the very simple sort of... Yep. Tintin is an investigative journalist. Yes. And not, like, an action hero. Yeah. And they sort of went... Spielberg's like, oh, no, we're going to have crazy cranes that fight one another we're going to have Peter uh, Jackson as well was involved in that um, and and Edgar Wright Wright and Stephen Moffat wrote the script I really thought they'd have more sensibility than that but so this is it sort of feels like the same sort of way like unless you know the source material you're not going to enjoy it but then if you know it too well no one can really do enough justice to it and I think you're exactly right in terms of pulling from multiple uh, stories over the years of that particular graphic novel because I think the name of the film itself is a portmanteau of two or three different um graphic novels in the series okay. so um and it's and that's what it feels like it feels like a hodgepodge it feels like a a huge collection of things that if you were to isolate them and maybe give them time to play out uh and to be introduced properly would actually feel kind of fun yeah so the, the biggest issue with this film is the relationship between valerian and lorelei oh god um and so it starts out as i said they're sort of wrestling in um in their swimming costumes and they're sort of flirting about how, like, you know, I'll never go out with you. And he's like, you should go out with me. And it actually kind of feels a little bit like sexual harassment in yeah. the workplace. Yeah. And I get maybe if you've had, like, 20 years of this sort of back and forth banter between these two characters, mm. it might sort of feel like it's just a bit of tongue in cheek. But because it's the first time you experience those two characters together on screen, there's no chemistry there. And it just kind of feels like it's, predatory. It's creepy, right? Because as well, Loreline consistently rebuffs his advances as well. Yeah. To the point where it's starting, it just feels really creepy. Like, he he proposes to her um, at the start of their mission uh, at the bazaar. Yeah. Um, and you're like, why, why are you even entertaining the notion of talking to this guy? Because nothing I've seen of the way you two interact suggests that you have any kind of decent relationship whatsoever. It just sounds like he's being a creep um, and you're just kind of letting it happen. Like, obviously not to blame uh, Loreline's character at all, but it just comes across as feeling really awkward and it made me feel really uncomfortable to it watch. It did. And, and having said that, 
she as a character and Miss Divine as mm. I, I like have absolutely no idea. Cara Delavine. Deviglione. There's too many G's and N's next to one another. Cara Da Vinci. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, she's so, so she's a model. I think f- yes. first and foremost, that's where sh- her fame comes from. Mm. She can act. She's pretty oh, good she's in the film. Fanta- like um, the standout what, of this film is working her. with really horrible dialogue. Yeah, and she plays. She's in Suicide Squad as the Enchantress, mm. and like her line is Enchantress, and then she turns into Enchantress, or might be Sorceress. Sure. I don't really know. I try and forget a lot about that film. <laughs> um, uh, she's she's really good. Obviously, got a really horrible script to work yeah. with. And in most of the other parts of the film, she's a strong and independent character who um, rescues um, uh, Valerian uh, once or twice. He rescues her. There's a nice balance. Uh, There's one point where he's like, I'm going to go in there and rescue them. You go get back up. And she's kind of like, yeah, screw that. And then goes in first. Yeah, she says something like, how about you stay back here and go get back up and then just walks in and does it. And that that was such a great moment. Really nice that, you know, you can have that um, progression with yeah. a, like a female character in a film, and yet at the same time, just completely overlook how misogynistic like, your your main they uh, didn't male even character put her is. Put name into the name, like to the title of the movie, and I would suggest that she is the character you actually want to see. Exactly, she's the most entertaining character there. She's the strongest character there. Um, she shows uh, a, a maturity and depth that Valerian doesn't show. Not Valerian really. doesn't have an arc. He's pretty much an asshole from the start to pretty much the end. He has a speech at the end of the film where he's just like, I'm a soldier. I have to play by the rules. I oh, can't break the rules. Yeah. And I'm just like, when? Yeah. All throughout the film, you're pretty much like, I'll do what I want. I don't care about the uh, military. Then, so like, there's a there's a bit of a climactic showdown between um, Clive Owen's character who plays like the commanding officer of the entire um thousand planet city which is called alpha uh and he is like up against the natives and he's like no 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 that's that's this is not the truth yada 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 we have to do what's right for us and valerian goes and just punches him in the face right as in like yeah screw this we're gonna do it anyway because you're wrong and then not two minutes later when they're decide trying to figure out if to to give the natives the creature and the pearl back he's like like ranting on about how like no we've got to play by the rules and uh we've got to do things by the book and everything is for alpha you just punched the commanding (laughs) officer in the face to stop him from doing what you just want to do now like i yeah he's inconsistent not even inconsistent like he's just an asshole there's nothing redeeming about his character whatsoever and horribly laureline still goes to him and accepts his advances at the end of the film as well yeah and it's just like that's you know, uh, how so why what's what's interesting about this is that the the French comic book inspired the Fifth Element, which yes. is a great film, which has sort of these very sort of vibrant colors mm. and um, busy world and crazy costumes. Apparently, it inspired Star Wars as well. Yep, I can um, see that. A, v- a variety of other things in, in the same sort of way where I think John Carter mm. was like one of the original uh, inspirations for lots of sci-fi stuff, and it came before everyone else and people. Like there was a, a director who had a passion project yeah. and he wanted to make that film yeah. and he had a lot of money to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, I suppose at least you could say Valerian made its money back. I think it's, John Carter is yeah. one of the biggest uh, <laughs> film flops of all time. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where even though it did come first, mm. the source material is so much more recognized. So we were sitting here watching this film and there's sequences that look like Tatooine, yeah. that looks like... Um, Phantom Menace. It looked like a lot of the prequel Star Wars films. It looked like v- various video games we've played over the years as well. There's a lot of Mass Effect the, in there. I- and the issue is that they're probably all inspired from the yeah. comic book, but because we've sort of entered in a point where we didn't know the comic book yeah. and we've seen all this other stuff first, yeah. now 
this, the original source material, looks derivative. Mm. And I kind of feel sorry for it in a lot of ways, but at the same time, what are you going to do? Well, yeah. What are you going to do? Let's talk about Rihanna. (laughs) Oh, God. So she's in this film. She's in this film for reasons I still can't comprehend. Clearly, they needed some kind of big name actress. She's not even an actress. Let's face it. Like, her in this film is awful. Some of the lines that she delivers at certain points are so flatly delivered and so beyond anything resembling emotion that you're like, why are you here? Why didn't someone just ADR you with a different voice altogether? Because for the most part, she actually plays a CGI blob character. Exactly. Um, so we're introduced to her at a space strip club. Space strip, yeah. Um, yep. Run by Ethan Run by Hawk. Ethan Hawke, who's in it for some reason. I don't know. Poor Ethan Hawke. I feel so bad for him sometimes. He's a good actor. He is. But the good thing is, he only gets like two minutes worth of screen time in this. So <laughs> like, So Rihanna, and, uh, Rihanna is playing this shape-shifting... Uh, a striptease, a striptease dancer, I guess, or a stripper. Yeah. Um, and she does this dance routine where she turns into a bunch of different characters, still as herself, but like she's, um, she's like a circus trainer at one point, and then she's like a nurse at another point, and this and that. She's a, a, of, a like a pharaoh, like an ancient Egyptian pharaoh yeah, at the yeah, end yeah, as yeah. well. So there's yeah. lots of like lots of costume changes. I think yeah. they've got like a thing where she's got a hula hoop, and as she yeah. sort of like pulls it over from like her, her toes to her head, yes. the costume would change. Just sort of yep. in time with that, and it is a bit more burlesque than it's, stripping. It's very burlesque. Yeah. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Um, and Valerian needs her because he needs to dis- disguise himself as a particular kind of alien to get through. Uh, the checkpoint that he needs yeah, to get through. No because, foreigners beyond this point. Yeah, because Loreline is has been captured by this alien race, and he needs to disguise himself as one of them. And she has the ability to disguise herself as anything she wants. Again, very much like Mystique from X Men. Um, so we sit through this whole dance routine to see her dancing around all slinkily, and like, yep, this is going on a little bit too long now. We don't really need to see this. It's a again. weird, weirdly it's long really weird, dance yeah. sequence in the middle of this film, which again, like by by it's what two hours long yeah and by about an hour and 25 minutes i'm just i was not paying attention <laughs> and then you have this weird bellex dance sequence yeah. which it should have gone for maybe 30 seconds and ended up yeah. going for like three and a half minutes yeah. but yeah. so she's in the film for let's say a grand total of 10 minutes whereabouts i don't think it's that long no probably not i uh, felt much longer i felt, felt a lot longer but uh she's in it for about 10 minutes most of it not playing a human character anyway um so she spoiler alert she dies they have a big battle with um, the aliens inside this p- place where they are, uh, and uh, Valerian rescues Loreline, uh, and then they both, all the trio of them, sort of fall through the ground into a sewerage system. Or in, Ed, Ed, just with a trash compact. It's the trash compact from Star Wars, yeah. For a new hope, yeah. Uh, and as a result of that battle, uh, Rihanna dies. Yeah, she, and, she's apparently been cut a couple of times, who knows? Yeah, and then, but, for some reason, there's like a at least a five minute sequence where Valerian is cradling her in his arms and she's going on going off on this mad kind of emotional speech about life and death and this and that and I'm like what you why do we care? Yeah. You've had no screen time whatsoever. I, th- I think it was try to, to try and give Valerian uh, impetus for changing his rakish and roguish ways um, <sighs> so that uh, he would deserve the love of Lorelai when it finally sort of came around. Yeah. But then this blue jelly blob turns into sand. Mm. Why sand? <laughs> Who knows? And sort of melts in his hand and yeah. he's just got like sand all over his hands and he's just yeah. looking at like, I don't want sand on my hands, but I also don't want to wipe off this dead person. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
It's really, really weird. Uh, so yeah. I suppose what I want to know, AJ, mm. uh, what are our takeaways from uh, Valerian? What what have we um, unraveled, and what what have we found in there that that's worth keeping, or what would we change? Oh, look, I mean, I like. I love the production design. I love the zaniness, the wacky aliens, the color and the vibrancy. And I feel like sci-fi is a bit too grim at times. There's too okay. much gray. There's too much... Guardians of the Galaxy did a very, like, let's put a lot of bright colors yeah, into this yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. spacecape. So yep. that's... that's I, I don't mind that. Guardians of the Galaxy has raked in a, few, a lot of money, so yeah, we, can, right. we can keep that. Uh, we need just incredibly stupid sounding sci-fi names as well. Like, yeah, I mean, any Vs or Ws or Xs. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. get them in there. Yeah, um... Uh, what else do we need? We need uh, gratuitous space battles as well. Yeah, okay. And yeah, sure, like a needless exposition as you go into places oh, in yeah, the history sure. of the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's fine. And uh, and really, the one thing that we complained about was a, a, a relationship between the, the two main characters. Yep. Um, oh, and yep, sorry, go ahead. You know, I was, I was just hopefully a lot less misogyny. So. Yes, a lot less of that. But um, this film does a lot of cultural appropriation as well. So again, Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, yeah. Whatever culture you want from around the world, (laughs) if you don't want to put, um, you know, the actual cultures in the film, just have an alien version of it. That's fine. Um, you know, star Wars did it. Avatar did it. Valerian and a thousand city planet, city towns, villages did it. Towns and villages, all of them. (laughs) All right. Okay. Again, I think we've been talking quite a lot about musical stings. I feel as though we do need a sting, uh, to get to the green room. Yes. And uh, you were complaining that we weren't leaving a pause, so we're going to leave one now. now. And we're in the green room. It's, oh, it's magic. It's so green in here. Oh, wow. Like, oh. normally we have to go up that elevator and yep. walk through the lobby where all the lawyers are, I and know. it's just it's just I getting know. a little bit awkward. So I, I love that the musical sting can just get us right here. <laughs> Ah, uh, so we teleported up here now. Through. I mean, that, that's that's the power of a musical sting. <laughs> like it may it may sound just like yeah. audio when you're listening to it yeah. as a podcast. In the real world, a musical sting has teleporting <laughs> capabilities that can get you just from one spot to the other. So, ah, I love the. I'm bathed in green right now. It's so lovely. I haven't been in here for a while. Uh, okay, so. Clearly, it's time for movie film studios to make a sci-fi film, and it's great that we've got our workshops, you know, to do this digital and uh, practical. Digital and practical, are, like they're talking. I don't know if you heard about. Um, they were on a break, mm. and then they wasn't really clearly communicated, and mm. then they weren't talking, and now they're sort of they, like they're, they, they're, they're they're still still. I mean, you can't really bring it up around them, but yeah. they're they're at least talking to one another again. Okay. So that's good. Yeah, that's good. we might have to like do some things as practical and some mm. things as digital and yep. then edit them together because I'm not sure we can really mm. they'll work together that closely yep, yep, yep. alright so sci-fi film right Let's, okay again are we going to go I know with um, KNIG HTS we um, we base that on uh, original intellectual property Valerian yes. does a very sort of similar thing are mm-hmm. we going to do that this time or do you reckon we can just go straight straight sci-fi because I like I like the idea of doing our own thing mm. because like you can then just go batshit crazy yeah. and people can go oh, why is that there and it's like, it's like because we wanted to and it's sci-fi yeah. so yeah. yeah I think we should do that I think we should go original this time I mean we have the the creative ability to really just pull things out and create them yeah. on the fly so why not I so mean, I, I know you sort of really like that sort of production design thing mm. and you have 
a lot of those sort of coffee table books, those thick full color books of yes. all the concept art. Mm. I reckon we just rip out all of the pages, yep. we shuffle them together, we throw them in the air, yep. and then we just pick out like um, concept design from Star Wars, yep. concept design from Jurassic Park, yep. uh, Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones yep. uh, Fifth Element, yep. uh, Star Trek, whatever we want. Yeah, yeah. Like, so we just like, because that's obviously, that's exactly what Valyrian yeah, did, yeah. is they've just gone, instead of coming up with their own stuff, let's just take it from everywhere. Mm. I'm sure there's lots of video games. I'm sure one of my friends has like, the I think we mentioned Mass Effect mm. as being a great video game that has lots of good concept art. So we just grab just it from it all, from anything, yeah. mix like, it all up. I mean, because okay. you have the Jurassic Park one, so there's a really good chance that sci-fi dinosaurs could show up <laughs> in this film. Okay, so, so the film is about um, a native planet of sci-fi dinosaurs. Yeah. So not like the dinosaurs that we recognize. So not Tyrannosaurus Rex or anything like that, but like sci-fi dinosaurs. So they're yeah. all kind of like augmented with like space rings and colors and stuff. Oh yeah. So. Um, in, you know how uh, Earth dinosaurs have feathers, right? That's pretty much a consensus now amongst the scientific yeah. community I'm, that I mean, dinosaurs have as feathers. As kids of the 90s, dinosaurs didn't have no, feathers when we were kids. Just... And it's really kind of... I'm like, I get it. It's probably a little bit better. You found your guys that have been frozen yeah. in amber in China and yeah. you can see the feathers there. But I like that lizard-style dinosaur from, mm. the, from the early 90s. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's our space dinosaurs. Space dinosaurs will be lizard-based. Uh, lizard-based dinosaurs. But I want them to have like kind of like glowing internal uh, parts as well. Oh, right. That's how they communicate with each other. They kind of just use a collection of, of different coloured uh, lights, I guess, inside kind of like them. chameleon sort of yeah, changing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. So are these space dinosaurs, are they, are they our protagonists or are they their, our antagonists? I want them to be... I want the I want the whole thing to center around the conflict on this planet, right? So that this planet is almost like uh, ground zero for the entire universe. Okay. So they are like super intelligent, um, super intelligent, highly evolved beings. So they don't talk with words; they talk through light patterns. Yep, sure. Um, and <laughs> basically, the universe exists around them, and they're in a kind of um, hidden bubble that no one can see. But then something happens and that bubble is exposed and suddenly we can see, you know, uh, the origin of the universe oh, is right. contained okay. on that planet. So that's the origin of life. Yeah. Like, sort of like, you look at, um, I think... Uh, I think Prometheus did this. Prometheus, <laughs> yeah, but Prometheus did, like, the origins of life are these sort of bipedal yeah. human type things. Yeah, yeah. And we're saying, no, I mean, the first kind of life that really existed on Earth must have been dinosaurs. Space so, dinosaurs. So, space, so then space dinosaurs would have had to have seeded Earth yes. and created the dinosaurs yeah, yeah, first. Yeah. Yep. So... I'm going to say I've just been skimming through these pages I've picked up off the ground from yeah. the art books and I've just picked up one from uh, Indiana Jones <laughs> yep. so there's going to also have to be space dinosaur Nazis um, <laughs> so uh, and yeah so yeah. alright <laughs> um, I mean it doesn't necessarily have to be Nazis but it's definitely a fascist regime yeah, yeah. on this um, this dinosaur planet yeah. that is uh, uh, scouring scouring space yeah. for, for space artifacts <laughs> And um, and yeah, so there's got to be uh, again. We'll, maybe maybe okay. take something from Prometheus as well, where there's that seed of life yeah. is, is like a an artifact, okay. uh, sort yep. of like the Holy Grail or the Ark of the Covenant, yeah, yeah, yeah. which they have to go after. All right, then we need to make a very important decision from this point forward. Is the film a hundred percent space dinosaurs, or is it like 
space dinosaurs plus humans and other aliens. Uh, absolutely has to be other humans and other aliens. The okay. point the point of doing a sci-fi space film yep. is that people can scribble whatever they want on a piece of paper yep. and the production team go, yes, that's an alien. Great. Which is exactly what they do at the start of Valerian. Yep. They just introduce all these species. It's like, <laughs> oh, you've got a brain in your bum? You're an alien. Oh, you've got tentacles coming out of your ears? Yep. You're yep. an alien. It's, uh, it's the Mos Eisley Cantona <laughs> sort of like effect. And we can put space jazz in there. Space dinosaurs. Exactly. I would love to see dinosaurs playing little versions of um, trumpets. A T Rex trying to play the keyboard with its tiny little Space claws. T Rex. Space T Rex, of course. Um, great. Okay. Uh, I like the idea that I'm going to hand a napkin or something to the uh, movie film workshop and they're not going to see the doodling I've drawn on it and they're just going to produce a napkin based alien. Yeah, sure. It'll fit yeah. in fine. You, they're like, oh, you had a drawing on the back. I thought the napkin was an alien species <laughs> yeah. and then just like, it is now. <laughs> There's a napkin alien species. So I think very much in the style of Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. we're going to have to put together a, like a, a, a crack team. A, a crack yeah. team yep. um, but they're all, just like in Guardians of the Galaxy, yep. they're all that sort of like likable rogue. Mm. They're all the Han Solo character. Yep. There's like five Han Solo type characters <laughs> instead of having balance it's yeah. just like and, and with ours all of them wear fedoras and leather jackets <laughs> and have whips and it's just like you're all just indiana jones is like yeah but we're all also after like secret ancient artifacts yeah. so like it no, kind of makes sense you shouldn't wear the leather it should be a vest instead of the leather jacket so we get a bit of Han solo in there we need to make it like a all right so so, of... so one of them's wearing a fedora and a leather jacket yeah. the other one's wearing a vest yeah the other one's wearing like a president's <laughs> get off my plane um and so we just and pull... someone's wearing an amish costume because he was in that film uh, yeah uh, witness uh, yeah yeah, so yeah. we just pick every every great Hollywood homicide was I know yeah, we, I yeah. know he's in that six he days seven nights, <laughs> the remake of Sabrina. Yeah. This, all of our characters are playing Harrison Ford <laughs> archetypes. But we've obviously missed Blade Runner because yeah. Blade Runner's just a. I mean, screw it. I think we've got the Blade Runner Blade book Runner in there. Yeah. Maybe we just get Harrison Ford to come back. Actually, they did Blade Runner, didn't they? Yeah. They actually like within the last two months re-released. <laughs> Can we like, CGI a, Harrison Ford? I don't know, like a young Harrison Ford. Like we, we could, or we could, we could just get the guy who's played young Harrison Ford in the Harrison Ford Star Wars stories. Get Donald Glover <laughs> Donald in there. Donald Glover as, in there. Yep. All right. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Let's go back to our story. Story is important. Story to is me, important. Okay? I don't know. So here's the story. We've got uh, the origin planet inhabited by space dinosaurs. Um, the space dinosaurs have a competing race of space Nazi dinosaurs who have cracked open the seal on this planet and have now exposed it to the rest of the galaxy. Yep. So now there's a crisis going on because. The everyone is racing towards this planet. They want to take it over and they want to be in charge of the entire universe. Uh, so enter our roguish team of Han Solo characters. Are, are these guys dinosaurs as well? Or are they well, this mixed is, race? I, I don't know. This is the thing. We need to... I mean, we wanted humans in the film. It doesn't mean that other space dinosaurs couldn't be... I mean, I'd love to see like a space dinosaur dressed up as Harrison Ford, yeah. dressed up as Indiana Jones. <laughs> that would be good, but I feel as though we're missing an opportunity. And I think, and I'm going to say it right now, Chris Pratt has yeah. to be in the film. Sure. Um, but he's not playing the lead role. Yeah. I think he's playing like uh, the second Harrison Ford type character. And then the first Harrison Ford type character, which is actually played by Harrison Ford. Yeah. But uh, in the same way they do in Tron, yeah. where we've just made him look younger. <laughs> Um, so is this how we're dealing with the misogyny issue as well? Just cast all males into in the film? Yeah, sure. Okay, and they're cool. they're um uh they are 
what's it? It's instead of being misogynist, they're just misanthropes, right? Because they just they just hate people in general. It's like yeah. they've got all this built yeah. pent up hatred. Sure, it's like I can't direct this at women. I just have to direct it at people in general. <laughs> um, uh, so, and I suppose that's saying like I said, uh, what uh, misanthrope, mis- misanthrope, mm. right? Because that's anthro is human. Yeah, but there's also dinosaurs, right? Mm. So there's misdinanthropes. <laughs> And like we can put whatever other species we yeah, want yeah, in there yeah. as well, and we can oh, so direct it, hatred towards them. So is is our collection of rogues kind of just blasé about the whole thing? They don't really care about the origin planet. I think they they care more about the there's an artifact, and I think we make the ah, artifact okay. like a meteorite. Yeah, that is the the seed of life. Yes, and um, they're more sort of the bounty hunter kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one of them's out for themselves. The other one believes it belongs in a museum, <laughs> and the other guy's he just wants my family back. <laughs> um, like any any motivation, and, and the other yep. one just wants people to get off his plane because. <laughs> That's, you know, these, these are the motivations planes, you planes give. don't even exist in this universe. Get right? off my p- p- spaceship. No, and he then he punches... Plane, Ga- but no yeah, one knows what he's talking exactly. about. Uh, he punches Gary Oldman off the back of his <laughs> um, spaceship. Right. Uh, yeah, cool. a- any motivation that Harrison Ford has been given yep. in any film, yep, he, yep, he can yep. now have uh, right. in this one. So this artifact, this meteor, let's say that it is this, the reason why... So something has happened to this meteor. Maybe it detects that the evil Nazi dinosaurs are plotting against it and it sends out this sort of distress beacon okay, yep, and sure. that's what opens up the planet to exposure to the rest of the universe so we've got who else I think there should be a competing another team competing to, to race to this artifact I think you're limiting yourself if you, there's just one oh, like if we multiple? can if we put in like a dozen yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of like uh, oh, uh, hodgepodge so this will de- be this will be like this is like the sci-fi remake of Rat Race or uh, yes. it's a mad, 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 mad world. Exactly. Because, that like, is exactly what it is. That film came out in the 40s, I think, and no one remembers it except for weirdos like me who have seen it. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm on board with Rat Race. Yeah. I have not seen the, the mad, 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 mad you've world. Seen, you've definitely seen um, the parodies of it because it was parodied on The Simpsons where they go to chase that treasure buried under the giant Yeah, tea. I mean, I, I get the premise because yeah. you said Rat Race and yeah, that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's the, the anyway. frame reference. So yeah, that's it. We're, we're, <laughs> this film is the space version of Rat Race. So we've got a dozen competing teams uh, all racing to this origin planet to get the meteor and save either save the universe or sell it at a pawn shop somewhere yeah, to make some or money. Or to stop the Nazi dinosaurs from the destroying Nazi the universe. Yeah. Or yeah. to make... I think the Nazi dinosaurs are going to use it to convert every other planet in the universe into to Nazi Nazis? dinosaurs. Okay. Because they're, they're, you know, you've got that uh, eugenics sort of like yep, thing yep. going on with yeah, the Nazis if that, there. If that meteor is the originator of the universe, it also has the power to reshape it as it sees fit. Exactly. So whoever's in charge of it can just, you know, recraft the universe in its own image. So yeah, Nazi universe. Uh, that'd be terrible but yeah uh, okay so let's think about who else is going to be racing I think I mean we we do these very sort of subtle references like you Mm. know how like I think J.J. Abrams put sort of like R2-D2 mm-hmm. as a piece of debris in, yep, s- in yep. the Star Trek remake. Yep. Like one of the other teams is going to be like the Guardians of the Galaxy team, but we never sort of really mention it. <laughs> okay, Did yep. you ever watch a, a, a animated TV series from the 90s called Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys? <laughs> of course you didn't, because no one but me has ever seen it, apparently. <laughs> That's going to be one of the teams as well. Okay. So any any group of pluckish sort of like yep. uh, space rogues sure. can be one of the teams, and we just kind of like uh, just subtly reference who they are, yep, but yep. we ne- never actually sort of say it outright yep Biker Mice from Mars Biker Mice from Mars definitely in the mix Shouldn't there somewhere need to go in there because no one has seen that for a while yeah 
Uh, and they uh, are from Mars, which is space. Yep. Can, so. we, can we put Matt Damon in there too? Because I was thinking of The Martian. All oh, right, because I, I, when you said Matt Damon, I was thinking of Interstellar, because like, yeah. he, he shows up in that even though no one really knew he was in that film. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we just still have a, a team of space Matt Damons. <laughs> So any any film that Matt Damon's been in, yeah. where he's been in he's space, been, well, it's more like every film that he's been in that he's needed rescuing in. Someone calculated a while back that if oh, like uh, Saving Private uh, Ryan, the world of course. has spent a lot of money saving Matt Damon's ass. Like, <laughs> so we had to save him from Mars in the Martian. We then had to save him from some far off distant planet in Interstellar. So George we had to save him from World War Two in Saving Private Ryan as well. George Clooney was in Gravity, right? Yes. So both Matt Damon and George Clooney <laughs> have been in space. Has Brad Pitt ever been in space? Because otherwise Ooh. we might be able to put the entire sure Ocean's has, Eleven yeah. cast, but reprising their space oh, roles in there Mac, as well. We, I'm going to uh, go get Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac can be the AI. Like, oh, um, great. We can do yeah, AI yeah. Bernie Mac. And we'll just resample his voice from all the films he's been in. And, and I mean, you absolutely know that Scott Kahn and Casey <laughs> Affleck aren't up to yeah, anything. They're not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get, um, we get uh, oh, I've forgotten his name. Um, the guy that plays the Iron Patriot in Iron Man now. Um, he's an actor. Uh, was Terence Howard, but not. Why do I remember Terence Don, Don, Don Cheadle. Cheadle? Don Cheadle with his, yes, his bad, with his um, terrible, he's cockney accent. I'm going to blow the bloody doors <laughs> off. All right, so we've got three teams. Uh, we've got every <laughs> every Harrison Ford role, every Matt Damon role. Oh, oh, hang on. Is it every Matt Damon role? No, I, I, think, I, I think Matt Damon might just be in Space Oceans 11. Space Oceans 11. <laughs> um, okay, great. We are distinctly lacking female characters. <laughs> but didn't we maintain that this film was just going to be full of males? Possibly. But, like, I was thinking maybe our main team could be full of males. Yeah. And then we can just, like, because there's a lot of eggshells we got to have where you're sort of <laughs> yeah, yeah. stepping on there. Um, lots of the other teams can have it, like have their female characters, mm. strong female characters yeah, yeah. doing sort of the, the brave sort of yep. things. Or maybe we do like... Uh, Team Sigourney Weaver You know, this is actually the po- perfect opportunity to do the coin flip, right? So we, we oh, yeah. write we write all of the characters gender neutral ah, yeah, yeah. and then we flip a coin. Great idea. And whatever it lands on, heads yep. or tails, male yep. or female, it yep. doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, uh, gender, racial casting, sexuality yeah, preference. It shouldn't it, it matter. absolutely does not matter at all. Yep. Um, whoever whoever comes in and reads best for whatever character gets yep. the role. Yep. And that, yep. that's how we'll play it. So yep. if, you know, Space Matt Damon happens to be played by a woman, then that's that's <laughs> fine. We can write it as Space Matt Damon and that's great. Yep. But um, if, uh, you know, if um, Kirsten Dunst comes in and knocks the audition out of the park, yep. then she can play Space Matt Damon. It great. doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. But there's still... So hang on. It's female uh, actors auditioning for male parts is they're not it? male parts AJ you're thinking about it all backwards ah, you're, you're thinking right. so 20th century <laughs> and this film is quite clearly set in, in the, the 41st century for, exactly that's the exact number that I was thinking of too it's the 41st century uh, dinosaur Nazi space adventure that everyone's crying out for we've analysed the market AJ this is exactly what people yeah, want to see yeah. alright so there's a, there's a bunch of distinct teams racing for this artifact um so what should happen should it be like comedy hijinks or should it be space you know what because you pointed out in um, valerian Mm. that it was missing quite a lot of levity yeah i mean they were trying for levity but it didn't work and the reason that it didn't work is because they didn't have jake (laughs) Jake johnson Johnson. (laughs) so i think we we do it like uh you know there's some parts serious some parts comedy and for the some parts comedy Mm. it's just a team of jake johnson's (laughs) So we've got a team of five space Jake Johnsons and whenever it's getting a bit too intense, we just cut to what they're doing. Yeah, like yeah. the puzzles they're trying to solve, yeah. the uh, spelling out Jehovah in letters <laughs> and only the penitent man who may pass dive yeah. rolling to avoid their heads getting cut off. Yeah. Um, that's what space Jake Johnson teams up to. Great. And so we insert our levity that way. Yeah. 
So are they even on the chase for this artifact or are they just doing their own thing? No, they're definitely they're definitely they're one definitely, of the teams okay, that are on the yeah, chase yeah. for it. So yeah. All right, that'll do. That's nice. And um, should these teams meet up at a certain point? Like, should they be they a climactic? They definitely cross paths because yeah. I, th- I think there's like a, a like maybe like a labyrinthine sort mm. of like temple that they have to go through, sure. or there's definitely puzzles they have to solve and yep. traps they have to get through. Mm-hmm. And so you might see like you know they'll, they'll come past and there's a team of dead people and they're all stuck with blow darts because yeah, they didn't yep. figure out the puzzle. Yep. Um, and so it's kind of like like you're saying the rat race where there's people sort of racing for it, but yeah. this is more sort of action where you know. 20, 10 teams enter, but only one team can survive yeah, victorious yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of uh, so it, scenario. It's, it's like a battle royale kind of thing. It is yeah. a little bit battle royale, but a sort of squad-based battle royale. Yeah, and yeah. it's uh, it's a little bit rat race. It's mm. a little bit Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. It's a little bit Nazi dinosaur <laughs> T-Rex <laughs> with their fascist regime. Well, now, there's one thing we haven't considered, and that is a gratuitous celebrity cameo. So, obviously, Valerian and the Thousand City Villages, town plots, council members, uh, has Rihanna. Rihanna? Rihanna. Rihanna, sorry. I keep confusing her with a friend of mine. Um, uh, it has Rihanna in it. So we need, like all our previous films, we've cast sports uh, stars and wrestlers and... and um, You're saying we need... Like, we've got George Clooney <laughs> and the Ocean's Eleven cast. Yeah, but they're playing... Cameo. They're legitimate actors, though. We need someone that isn't really an actor. Because Rihanna is not an actor. Right, okay. So which... I mean... You know what I reckon we can do? Like mm. we've we've mined the world of like wrestling. Sure. We've mined the world of sports. Yep. We've mined the world of like everyone's done singers. You know who don't get good cameos who? are authors. <laughs> I think like book authors just don't get as yeah, many cameos. So recognizable as yeah. well. I mean their photos are on the back of all their books, so surely you would recognize. Yeah, I mean, them. Yeah, J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling, yeah, that'd be great. Um, um Jeffrey Deaver. He's sure. Jeffrey Archer. Jeffrey Archer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to have a quick look at my bookshelf and see who's that. Patrick Rothfuss might be up Ooh, for some yeah, good things. Yeah, yeah, Wil- sure. Wilbur Smith. Is Wilbur Smith even a real person? Uh, I, I have absolutely no idea. Probably. Why not? We'll get him. Yeah, sure. Matthew Riley. That's good. Good, yeah. good Australian author, Matthew yeah. Riley. Yeah. I'm sure he'd be up for it. Actually, it sounds quite like a Matthew Riley book, if yeah. I'm being completely honest. <laughs> I think he's he did a book called Contest, which was very yeah. much like lots of aliens enter uh, an enclosed space and have to oh, fight great. it all out. Great. So, so he's he's an expert then. So he's yeah. one of the uh, one of the teams. Yeah, sure. But I think like like they did with uh, Simon Pegg in yep. uh, Star Wars, we put him in a big prosthetic <laughs> suit. So even though he's in there as a cameo, you can't even yeah, tell that all it's the him. authors are in suits, in, yes. in prosthetic suits, and we'll get, actually get proper suits. It won't be CGI for them. Um, yeah, because uh, as we discussed, um, the digital and practical yeah, are just yeah. you know not there's a bit of a, a fractured relationships yeah. there. So we we want to you know make yeah, sure there's a, a good division of labor. So now, do we want to figure out how this film ends? Um, do we want to have an ending? Like is it a freeze frame? To, Rocky oh, style freeze, freeze frame. frame. Yeah. Two teams reach out to touch the crystal meteorite, yeah. Yeah. To, and it just and then, freeze frame. Yeah, freeze frame. And behind them, you can see like the Nazi dinosaurs racing towards them. Uh, you can see the other dinosaurs just sort of in a corner there, just beaming light to each other. And then yeah, freeze frame. Then fade to white. Exactly. And no to be continued. No, no. like coming soon in part two. Just it. Just end it like that. Very postmodern. You can just figure out how you want it. It's like how you know how um, Inception ends, where yeah, the you decide the it's amb- an ambiguous ending. Ambiguous I like ending, it. Yeah. You decide which one of them grabs That's the right. seed, seed of life uh, yeah. first. We could almost do a choose your own ending thing as well. Like if we're gonna, we're going to launch this on our own uh, digital distribution platform, which yeah, is which called, is uh, Mr. Um So if we have the technology for people to just actually just choose how they want it to end, and then we just film. Like, we do, five I think, I think uh, we don't tell them. 
but <laughs> every time they play through the movie, yep. there's a different ending. Ah, and so yeah. people are like, oh, I watched that thing on uh, my first bit of <laughs> The other day, and I was really surprised that at the ending, um, the car just took off and flew into the sky, kind of like the end of Greece for no yeah. apparent reason. It's like really because I the one that I watched was a really weird ending yeah. where uh, Michael Caine and his crew were just balanced on the end of a cliff, and it just ended there. It was really weird for no apparent reason. Uh, that'd be great. No one's done that before. That'll get us Oscar gold. I think I think uh, Clue or Cluedo, depending where you are, had a few alternate endings that they released at yeah. different cinemas. But it's not the, quite the same. It's not the same because I think people knew no, about that. Exactly. But this one, this one, they don't. This know is about like it, it just every time. And I reckon just we should film like a hundred different endings as well, just as many as we can do. In fact, we should spin off the studios to just one part of the studio should just be continually making endings yeah. to this film. So it's 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 movie film studios workshop AE. Yeah. And that stands for alternate endings. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's all they're doing for the end of just, time. Just for this film. This film. It. Just hundreds just, and hundreds of endings. Every, every month, like a new ending comes yeah, yeah. out for the film. Yeah. And, and people are just like, just constantly, because you know there's those completionists out there yeah, yeah, yeah. that can't do anything, yep. but like, I have to have seen every, everyone, yep, yep, everyone. Yep, yep. And then those those views on Mephusawadada mm. <laughs> will just go up incredible. Like, well, it'll be the highest viewed yeah. thing because you have just so many people imagine, doing repeat viewings. Like the Wikipedia article for that film is going to be massive. It's just going to be the biggest thing on there. In fact, I know we can't call it that but it really is the never-ending story <laughs> in space never-ending story in space i think we need to come up with a better film title for it than that um have you got any ideas like um not really uh i mean look we need to have some kind of weird sound like maybe we name it after the name of the dinosaur planet the space dinosaur planet yeah uh, like Cretaceon, <laughs> I believe is the name of that Beautiful. planet. Cretaceon is perfect. Yeah. Uh, so Cretaceon, the Cretaceon Wars. Or it could be create Cretaceon and the Seed of Life. Oh, that's I, great. I like that. I love the and. Yeah, because I mean, sci-fi films need an and in there. And of course, um, uh, Cretaceon has a, a twin planet, uh, yeah. Mesozoon, <laughs> and like in the original comic book, it was yeah. called Cretaceon and Mesozoon, and Mesozoon is just left out of the title for this one um, for no apparent yeah, reason. That's fine. Ah, great. Cretaceon and the Seed of Life. That is such a sci fi sounding name. That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so coming soon to Mephusina, um you, You're not pronouncing it right. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. It's Mephusawudududu. <laughs> Mephusawudududu? Yeah, sure. Great. Perfect. I think I'm missing a P in there, <laughs> but that's all right. The P is silent, like in pneumatic and pneumonia. <laughs> that's great. Oh, man. I think that's a wrap. I think that is indeed. I um, think it's a wrap. Any any housekeeping from this week? Um, ah, yes. Always housekeeping. I did actually notice this week uh, mm-hmm. uh, they've released a new podcast app on iTunes, oh, uh, on, on the iPhone, sorry. Yes. And it's horrible in every other way that I want it to be. It doesn't <laughs> It doesn't play my things in order. Yep. I have to create playlists. Great. But what it does do, which is much easier than it has been for a long while, yep. is leave star ratings for ah, podcasts yes, that you listen to. Yes. It is really as simple as just clicking... Um, five stars yes. or really ever how many stars you want to leave yeah, um, so if, you, if you've done it before on the previous um, podcast app mm-hmm. uh, have a look see if you can do it again yep. if you haven't done it before have a look see if you can do it again yep. uh, obviously write reviews and we'll yep. uh, we'll read them out make as up, soon as we uh, have them make up a whole bunch of fake accounts as well and just rate us even if you want to rate us one star it's fine yeah exactly we'll, we'll be fine multiple accounts we're, yeah, we're yeah, not above yeah. board on that most of the reviews that you see there at the moment yeah. are from me- no I I mean, how, do you think, how do you think Oscar nominations work exactly an actual academy? it's like no, yeah just one dude who keeps making yeah, accounts. George 
Clooney uh, votes for Monuments Men for Best Picture, and, and then, then and George Clooney also votes Monuments <laughs> Men for Best Picture. Hey, I I really enjoyed Monuments Men, but that's a totally different discussion. <laughs> uh, where uh, else can they find us? So they can find us on Facebook. Give us a like on there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We're at Movie Film Studio. I mean, again, Twitter just letting us down. We've got so many studios now. Um, we are we have a website, MovieFilmStudios.net, where you can find some lovely pictures of us and bios and, and uh, all of our episodes and all sorts of stuff. Um, and I think that's it. Uh, we're on iTunes and, and any other podcasting app that's out there in the known universe, including on Planet Cretaceous. Yeah, cr- Cretaceon. Cretaceon, yeah. There's a podcast um, over there and yeah. our podcast is on it. So also check out uh, the Facebook page. Uh, yes. Either on Monday or Tuesday, I'll post clues for what movie yes. we watched this week. They're you normally in the form of emojis, I sure. think. Is, I, I put the up, only thing we got from Emoji Movie was using it to communicate yeah. things. I mean, I, I put up a, what I thought was quite a good cryptic clue this week, which was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, plutonium and, and platinum yep. for atomic blonde yep. and I'm like oh that's, that's like it's that's got alliterative yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got uh, no one got it, no one got it and yeah. then as soon as I put up a picture of a bomb and a picture <laughs> of a blonde lady they're like oh okay you definitely watched <laughs> bomb girl this week I'm like uh, look I think we, we we've got to be careful with our uh, by going too highbrow we don't really want to be that that studio that is too highbrow for everyone and makes these arty fight no we're for everyone exactly we make films for everyone and for everything um so I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, once again, um, check out uh, Cretaceon and the Seed of Life in the, the on, cinemas on soon. And uh, yeah, Mephuzabudu. Yeah. And um, uh, thank you all for listening. Yes. I've been Isaac. And I've been AJ. Roll credits. Roll credits.